Previously on Funny Science Fiction. And as a Boston Celtics fan, I need to recognize that all of the evil in the entire world is caused by the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike from Props to History, and you're listening to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast where you realize the sad part about the jokes being told today is that we actually wrote them. So have you ever watched a movie and thought, man, it would be so cool to have that thing? Whether it was a gun, a, a lightsaber, perhaps it was a book or a special key that got you into special places in that book or movie's universe. You wanted that thing. You wanted to know how to make that thing, how to get that thing. Well, today's guest is going to be able to tell you how you can do that. We have a, a really cool guest. His name is Mike. He runs a uh, page on TikTok called Props to History, and he also has a YouTube channel as well. So we're really excited to have him here. We're going to talk to him about his really great content. Mike, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited about this. I, for one, am, am really excited about this. I mentioned um, uh, in the pre-show that I actually follow you on TikTok, and I really enjoy your content. So for me, this is kind of cool because now uh, instead of having to type out a message, I get to ask you all my questions here live and in the flesh. <laughs> and, I'll get a chance, and I'll actually get a chance to see them. I get so many questions. I miss a bunch. Oh, I'm sure of that. Yeah, you've got a pretty big following already. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, Mike, before we get into much of anything else, let's talk about how you got to be the man who knows so much about movie props. How did you get to be the man we call props to history? And what's the props to history backstory? Well, I actually got started as a model maker uh, all the way back when I was a wee lad of five years old. My dad got me into model making when I was a kid. And it progressed into making models for museums and then doing it for competition and then doing it semi-professionally for a little while. And that sort of found its way into cosplay. I went to a convention called Gen Con. Okay. And I had never been exposed to cosplay at all I didn't know anything about it and when I saw that I was like that's neat I can do that I want to try that so I, I started building small props for cosplay because I really hadn't the experience or knowledge to know how to build a full suit mm -hmm. and a friend of mine actually approached me she um, she raids this this has a point I, I, I believe me uh, she raises Clydesdales and she said can you can you make me a costume for my Clydesdale and I said well how hard could that be it took about a year, but I ended up building um, what is recognized as the world's largest Star Wars related costume for a horse. I built an ATAT costume for a 2000 pound Clydesdale. And that was actually my first full cosplay that I built. Uh, and also one of the most difficult I've ever done. That's awesome. And it um, started the ball rolling. I started, I when I was a little kid, I watched a PBS special about how the models for Close Encounters of the Third Kind were made. And it set off my imagination. And I started to get into kit bashing and scratch building at that time. And after I built that costume and started getting heavily into cosplay again, or fully into cosplay, I started going back and doing research on props. And I started trying to replicate those, those methods that they used. And that evolved into, let's replicate the props from my favorite movies from when I was a kid, but let's do it with the original parts that they used then, which is exceptionally difficult um, <laughs> and also exceptionally expensive in some cases. And it it's, has evolved into me doing research. And as a model maker, I had to do a lot of research. So I kind of got good at it. 
And I then started focusing all my attention on movie props and where are they? Who can I contact, get information about them? What were they made of, et cetera. And I have this really long, ridiculous Excel spreadsheet of all the props that I've discovered as where they are, what happened to them, their fates, how many were made for a film, et cetera. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's 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 ridiculous. It 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 exists on an external hard drive because it won't fit on my PC anymore. And <laughs> I've been adding, I've been regularly adding to the spreadsheet for four years now, and it's just it's become a monster unto itself. That's really sort of untenable now. But um, somebody said, "Hey, you should do a YouTube channel." So I started YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel was based on building props from the original parts and telling the stories behind them. And then somebody said, "Get on TikTok." When I first heard that, I I thought TikTok is for kids, like young people. I am not that. So I have no business on there. And then I got convinced again to look at it. And I thought, well, I could do this. So I made a video about the Book of the Dead from the Mummy. And it exploded. And I thought, well, maybe people do want to. Because I didn't think anybody cared. You know, outside of the prop collecting community, I didn't think anyone cared. And then the more interest that I got, that was like, well, I can continue doing this. I have a massive prop collection. I can continue telling these stories. I know a lot of stories. I'm good at research and I can do it quickly so I can answer people's questions in a relatively quick fashion. And now it's steamrolled to being on TikTok in 34 days. I've gone to 154,000 followers. Right. And, and this morning, John Mayer started following me for some reason. <laughs> so nice. Which is that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. He follows 23 people and I'm one of them. So it was, it was kind of weird to wake up to that, but, but it's, it just, and there's other things that have happened that I can't talk about yet. Uh, but hopefully Fair enough. soon, um, exciting things, uh, that, that we will, we will see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it came to be props to history. And the name itself props to history was a one-off for me in the, like when I set up my account on TikTok, I was like, yeah, props to history. That sounds good. No one's going to watch this anyway. And now it's become this this ridiculous thing where people oh. have, have duetted me and and or stitched my videos and said, do you end conversations and props to history now? Like random people are now doing this in their daily lives, which I find hilarious <laughs> and adorable. It is. Cool. I have to say two things about about the story you just told. Number one, I, I misheard the first part. I thought you said you were a model. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't catch that in anything that I'd seen of his. Well, I mean, uh, I get, it's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> You're an attractive man, clearly. I am that. That's for certain. <laughs> uh, and then number two, I think it's awesome that you are one of 23 people that John Mayer is following. Yeah. And if for some whatever reason, if he ever decides to follow another person, you are now a DNA test. You're 23 and me. <laughs> right. Sorry. Very nice. I couldn't help myself. Dad joke. It's your, it's your podcast, but get out. <laughs> I bad agree. joke. Yeah. So, it was a bad one, but it was there. No, it was good. It was great. I, I, I appreciate bad jokes. So. <laughs> You've made some really cool props in as far as cosplay goes. And yes, even for a horse like you had just mentioned. And I love how happy the horse was and how he like he didn't want to like take it off. Ah, uh, an addendum. That, addendum. Story, that story got attached to that picture the day I posted it. It's not even remotely true. Oh, okay. the horse the horse didn't care, but she didn't have feelings about it either way. <laughs> but that story is is completely fabricated. So, gotcha. Oh, Sad face. Well, the horse looked pretty awesome in it anyway. She did. Uh, what what was more like? 
can you expound on that story a little bit more of oh yeah sure um so the horse's owner her name is brie the horse is named mona just to set that up um brie and i have been friends for years um her husband and my wife went to high school together um her husband actually performed the mer- the wedding ceremony for m- myself and my wife we're, we're we're family more than we're friends anymore right and That's awesome we all we were all sitting around on the porch i believe is how the story goes and we may have been drinking a lot of bourbon <laughs> and she said hey, my her horse mona she had been showing mona for years well over a decade and she was going to retire her from showing and the last show she was going to do was the uh, world clydesdale show in oshkosh wisconsin and they it's in october so they have a costume class because it's near halloween and drunkenly, I'm pretty sure she asked me, can you do this? And drunkenly, I responded with, how hard can it be? And I started the process of building a, 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 a more or less semi-functional, uh, you know, stem to stern costume of an AT-AT from Empire Strikes Back. And it was fully lit. It had sound. Every time she stepped, the sound of the uh, AT-AT played. And... It took about nine months really to build because it was constant fitting and refitting to make sure that she was not uncomfortable, that it wasn't negatively affecting her in any way. And we started out from the beginning that if she was stressed by it, we'd abandon it from the start. And it was fine with that. Well, I got done with it a couple of months before the show and posted it online and it went bonkers. Um, It's so far, according to Facebook's analytics, it's been seen by 160 million people worldwide. Um, it wound up apparently on a billboard in Japan. There's a guy that sells t-shirts <laughs> with it on it. I didn't watermark the picture because I didn't think anyone would care. This is me not, not thinking about it as what it is. So it's been reused and reused. It ended up in the New York Post. There was an article written about it on CNET, etc. Mm-hmm. And the folks of the Clydesdale community, the horse community in general, actually, went bonkers over it. They were absolutely elated by it. And apparently no one really took the costume class seriously until that year (laughs) and everyone took it hyper serious because they're like we're not getting shown up by a walking tank and and, oh yeah you came in with as an as an as an atat just kicking everybody's butt right and and people showed i mean people showed out uh they (laughs) came out some of the most beautiful costume work i've seen on horses in a uh, ever quite frankly and, and it was great because people were coming up to see the costume, which was just on a rack while we were waiting to put it on her. And everybody was having their picture taken with it. It was, it was quite a bit of fun. And then I got home again. I thought that was going to be the end of it. And the costume was dismantled almost immediately. And actually the only surviving pieces of it are insulation inside of my shop right now. And uh, <laughs> the rest of it's all, all gone. Uh, I reused all the lights and stuff, but the rest of it's all gone. Gotcha. But that's still cool. Mona of the ATAT Clydesdale. You know, I think the cool part for me is is re- is being able to like mentally like link that picture to like oh, somebody I've actually talked to was actually related to that or you know that, that for me I guess that's kind of the coolest thing because I've seen that picture I think I've seen it probably 100 million of the 160 million times. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it's- it's, it's actually, uh, the, you know, my first brush with celebrity, and I say that in air quotes, um, with people that I work with who don't have anything to do with that world, mm-hmm. finding it on the internet and going, hey, that's the idiot that I work with <laughs> in this picture. 
<laughs> it's the same guy and they'll come up to me is this you and i'm like yes that's me i'm that guy <laughs> oh, that is my legacy i am that guy it's uh, cool that's a cool legacy to have though i like that it's not bad, it's not bad. all right well, hey th- there could be so much worse oh so, yes there could be there's so much worse yeah so all right so oftentimes we talk with our guests um uh about things that they like to know about that other people don't know about or that things that they know about that somebody else overlooks so for you what's the coolest thing about a movie prop that no one else knows or often overlooks that you know about and can share with us something that's maybe not we'll say not common knowledge okay um alien 1979 we've all seen it right Mm -hmm. the masterpiece of science fiction horror Yes. Um, do you remember the trackers that they use to hunt the alien? Uh, they go down into the ventilation ducts and they have a tracker that keys off of oh, yeah, yeah. micro changes in air density. Well, it looks exactly like this. Um, that's that's the, the stuff that I know about it. I'm the only one in the world that makes these. And I also am the only one in the world that owns all the molds for the original parts. The, this on the front is a cover for a tube from an oscilloscope, this thing right here. That's, oh. that, that's a drain cover. And the thing that, that really blows people's minds about this is that the basis for this thing is an old portable TV. It's all called a Ranger 505 <laughs> TV. That is one of the few unidentified parts on it, this series of, of blocks. The ice cube tray? It's an ice cube. And there's parts on here from stereo equipment. It's knowing what these parts are, at least the ones that have been identified. That's like the piece of knowledge that I have. And I have that about a lot of props. I know what they're made from because that's what I've been focused on for so many years now is what are these things made of? Like the Lassiter from Firefly is made from a flashlight and an old toy gun from the 60s. Um, sorry, I had to set that down. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like that. Like the lightsabers were made from, some of them were made from Graflex camera tubes, like most people know. Right. But Obi-Wan's was made with a World War One rifle grenade. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's usually the look I get. Everybody goes, really? Yeah, that, the part of it on the front that looks almost like a pineapple, that has mm-hmm. the pineapple, it's a number one Mark III British uh, rifle grenade from the First World War. No kidding. Uh, at the end, when they were making Star Wars and Alien and all those films of that same era, a lot of them were made at, at, at Elstree uh, or Pinewood Studios in England. And after World War II, there was an enormous amount of surplus left over. So you could buy surplus for a song. And when they were making Star Wars, their budget was extremely limited. So they used what they could get. And like some of the, like Obi-Wan's lightsaber, the base of it, the very bottom of it is the handle off of a faucet. And then as you go further up, it's just random bits of junk all stacked together. And the very end of it comes from a, a, a Rolls-Royce Derwent engine, a jet engine. And that same jet engine, the burn cans that were in it, are IG-11's head. So all of they, they took what they had and they made these absolutely amazing props from it. And I love that about it. And I love that that history is there. It's you can look at any prop from the original Star Wars trilogy and even Rogue One and even some of the, the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And you can see all these old parts that 
they just it seems like they went to a junk store and glued it together and in some cases that's exactly what they did that is really cool because see i've always been under the understanding that they were just the flash tubes and so you know uh, not all of them but a lot of them were yeah and so in my mind that's that's you know oh it's a lightsaber handle it's a flash tube from an old camera no big deal um <laughs> i'm gonna have i'm like I, I really want to. I'm fighting the urge to start up uh, a new hope right now, so I can see Obi Wan's <laughs> lightsaber. Because I, I will say this as a warning to anyone who wants to try and collect these parts. Um, that rifle grenade part, if you want to get the original one, like an actual World War One rifle grenade to build that. All of course they're all deactivated at this point. Um, the last one I saw go for sale was four thousand dollars. So oh my. To build these things from real parts is viciously expensive anymore because they're so rare now. But there are a lot of replicas and really sure. good replicas out there now. And so that's that's usually the best way to go for anyone that wants to get into prop collecting because real parts is not don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you so watch expensive. a movie what's that? So when you watch a movie now, are you like picking apart props and being like, oh, that's probably made from this, this, and this? It's yeah, it's it's impossible now for me to watch a movie and not do that. I'm still able to enjoy the story of a movie the first time I watch it, but I will. There's always going to be that prop maker's eye like, oh, what they make that from? What's that? What's that? What's that? I recognize that. The second time I watch a movie, I do not care what the story is. <laughs> I am looking at it for the props because maybe I want to build that, you know. Um, but the one movie that I don't do that with is The Fifth Element. I will turn my brain off and watch that movie for the movie because it's my favorite piece of cinema ever. Um, awesome. Only because it's just so outlandish. Right. <laughs> right. So it's that not it a is. Story by any means. It is not, it is not Rosebud, but uh, it is not Citizen Kane, but it, it is for me, it's, it's just an enjoyable movie that I can switch my brain off and just enjoy. Like the thing from 1982 is not I can do that. With. I can just turn my brain off and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. both good both good choices for brain turning off i like that all right so here's i got to know which side you fall on all right do you like chris tucker in fifth element or do you not like chris tucker in fifth element i absolutely love chris tucker in the fifth element i think <laughs> super green all right oh he is he is magnificent I, it was originally supposed to be prince um that role was originally written for prince but like prince does he just changed changed his mind and decided not to do it one day and they needed somebody to come in and Chris Tucker was available. And it was perfect because Chris Tucker was right around the same size mm-hmm. as Chris, a little taller. Yeah. No. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes projects could probably go really smooth or sometimes the projects might go horribly wrong. So like what was like your favorite prop to work on? My favorite prop to work on is... Um, one that I researched the longest and hunted for parts the longest, which was actually from that same movie, The Fifth Element, the Mangalore grenade, mm. the one where it says count to 10 and chucks it into the ceiling. <laughs> um, it took a long time for me to find the parts for it because that thing he turns on the end is a knob from a potentiometer. And they were only made for about six months in England in the 90s. So finding an industrial part that was only made for a short span of time is very difficult. And it sort of became an obsession to find out as much about the prop as I could. I spoke to the original prop maker that made it for the film. 
Um, I've spoken to the two owners that owned the one hero prop that they made for the movie. And I really enjoy every time I make one. And at this point, I think I've made 15 of them um, that I just enjoy the build because I know so much about the build and I've been so involved, not in its story, but in learning its story. Mm -hmm. And um, I finally found a something of a supply of those, those potentiometer knobs in Australia of all places. And uh, that's probably my favorite one. My least favorite, if you ask that, is building identity disks from Tron. I hate them in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Funny Science Fiction will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And now back to Funny Science Fiction. So uh, another thing that people may not know about you is that you have uh, an Etsy store as well. Yeah, uh, where you sell movie quality prop recreations. Now... Based on our last string of questions there, what is your most popular recreation and what's one that you'd like to add to your store? The most popular one is actually my castings of one of the uh, stunt. It's called a stunt because of the material it's made out of. It's rubber originally. Uh, the scarabs from the mummy from 1999. The one oh, okay. that pops off the walls. Yeah. Uh, the little um, blue jewel in the center. And... Yeah. The little, yeah. The, the blue gold, as he calls it. Yeah. Uh, I got my hands on one of the originals from the film a long time ago and made a mold of it. I've actually made six molds now because they wear out over time. Um, but that's the one that sells the most. Um, it's almost always the scare because I don't sell them for a whole lot. I sell them for uh -huh. 10 bucks and, and that's it because it's just a tiny amount of resin to make it. So, and I don't believe in pricing things out of the reach of other people. Um, that's cool. Like I have, the mold done and i've made a few castings of it of the merida rifle from starship troopers and it's based on a stunt casting that i have and it has screen lineage all my props that i sell have screen lineage uh, i can trace them back to the original prop that's cool and, and that's one unique thing about my store is that it's not a whole bunch of recasts of a recast of a recast i can actually trace them back and, you know, a lot of times no one knows what their history is, but eventually I'll add that to the Etsy store. Um, if, if I continue with the Etsy store, which I may or may not, it's, it, it depends on what happens in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, Understood. I may, I may not be able to just simply because of time constraints. Sure. Fair enough. So by now, if you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say all of a sudden a device disappears and finds itself into another sci-fi universe which prop disappeared and which universe did it end up in and what impact did it have on the story oh dear <laughs> <laughs> oh dear that i mean honestly that's that could go a long way there's a lot of different things that can happen there depending on what you take from one universe to another and then you have to take into account like the what the like the known politics of that and um does it have to be a prop or can it be a character uh if you want to switch it over to a character you can okay sure. i guess you know what we'll stick with prop and and i will go with um the egg from alien and i will i will port that over into star trek okay only because star trek is this on the surface other than things like ds9 and whatnot is this sort of utopian view of humanity and then to throw in the chaos of the xenomorph would be kind of funny but 
also somewhat boring. So that might not be the best way to go with it. I'm not sure. That's something that I like. I would need preparation on that because there's a lot of different ways you can take it. <laughs> That's an exciting question. I'm going to think on that. The only thing that came to my mind was alien and tribbles. Like, oh, that'd be horrifying, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, what what would happen there? I used uh, to a lot a lot of chest popping. Yeah, right. I used to own a Tribble from DS9 when they did the episode about Tribbles. I bought one mm -hmm. four years ago, and then I, sadly I traded it. Wished I had. Wish I saw. That. <laughs> okay, so well, going through your TikTok content, which again, guys, is great by the way. And if you're not one of the 154,000 people following Mr. Mike on uh, the Props to History channel, there, you probably need to be. But I love how interactive you are with your followers and the ease with which you answer their questions. Even when some of them get a little salty with you, as I've noticed recently, there's been some uh, discussion about the Mandela effect and Shazam and Sinbad and uh, a lot of people reimagining what their memories are from when they were younger. So if you don't mind, if you could give us the Cliff Notes version of, okay. of what happened there and what the Mandela effect is and how it affects this particular story. Okay, so this actually started as an it started as an off the cuff comment about Sinbad, the comedian from the '90s. A lot of people remember or believe that they remember that they watched a movie where he played a genie and that it was called Shazam. Now, at that same time, Shaq Shaquille O'Neal did a film called Kazam right around the same time period. Mm -hmm. Sinbad was known for dressing as Sinbad the Sailor, and he also was on TV a lot at that time. He was a very popular comedian in the mid-90s. Yes, he was. A lot of people believe that movie exists. And it is a product of the Mandela effect, which gets its name from the belief that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 80s. A lot of people seem to believe that. And in reality, he died in 2013 after being president of post-apartheid South Africa. Um, that Mandela effect is very, very strong. And most unfortunately, I, I kind of got, I let it get the better of me. And I made a couple videos explaining the Mandela effect and how that movie never existed. There's no evidence that it was ever made. Uh, Sinbad has made jokes where it was made. He said it was made, but then he's also come back and said it wasn't. So it's not really a reliable source for that. But there's no cast list. There's no plot. Apparently, all of the VHSs, posters, production material, promotional material, everything apparently disappeared. No one remembers the story or any other actors in it. And there's a lot of fake stuff out there. And then in right. 2017, uh, collegehumor.com made it worse by cr <laughs> creating found footage of the movie <laughs> with Sinbad. Of course they did. Put in a bunch of other Mandela effect stuff, like a newspaper that said, you know, Nelson Mandela dead at, 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 in that time period, like a Kit Kat wrapper with a hyphen, which never existed the Fruit Loops box that was spelled incorrectly, the Berenstein Bears, all that stuff. And it was really just to, to put the shine on that Mandela Effect myth. And it, it turned into quite a bit of salty comments and a lot of salty comments and four videos and um, trying to explain that this is fake because I hate misinformation. I despise the spread of misinformation. Agreed. And, and to me, it, I mean, it, there's no evidence that it ever happened and it didn't happen, but a lot of people still believe it. And that's not really the cliff notes, but that's what happened. Yeah, it's close enough to the cliff notes. 
yeah. we'll go with that. I mean, come on. If you can't look up, if you don't believe it or you believe that it is real, just go to IMDb. If it's not there, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, IMDb has a pretty extensive movie and cast list of everything that's ever been done. I'm pretty sure they've got educational films from high schools on there. I mean, come on, you know. They, they have, their earliest film on IMDb actually goes back to, uh, I believe it's 1899. Yeah. Uh, one of the earliest Nickelodeons. And they actually have as much information as exists about that movie. So they have an extensive library. And the idea that an actor had the power to remove a, a movie from existence in the 90s is laughable at best, but. I mean, he, let's, I mean, come on. Sinbad had some pull in the 90s. He didn't have that much pull. No. So, <laughs> even at the height of his career, he did not have that much power. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, there's a, yeah, the, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I, you know, in, in looking over your TikTok stuff and, and I'd seen a couple of your replies. And I honestly, I, I thought you handled the situation really well, uh, considering some of the, the replies and comments that were being made to you. I thought, you know, I, I try to I try to be as professional as I can with responses because I know how quickly the internet can turn into nothing but poison and mm-hmm. and I don't want that toxicity right uh, on my channel which is why I have no problems using the band hammer on people I uh, if if someone comes in and attempts to start fights over you know the three no nos politics religion race uh, boot them out right away because i don't want that because it just devolves and you end up getting traffic from the kind of people you don't want agreed i want to keep my channel as much of a a safe space that's politics free nonsense free so that people can just come and learn nonsensical stuff about movies Mm -hmm. have a good time yeah just share my knowledge of movies and movie props and special effects and be done with it you know i don't there's a lot of toxic stuff on the internet and i don't want to be a part of it so i i try to avoid that as much as i can and, and sometimes my collar gets the better of me and i'll respond in a way that i i'm not proud of but um but i i, I will i will get rid of folks pretty quickly i haven't had to do it much which is fun which is nice but mm-hmm. it does happen yeah. there you go so oftentimes to pass time we tend to get creative with our work place sometimes making silly rules um what are some unwritten rules of your workshop my workshop well the only people that ever come into my workshop are myself my wife and greg nowling my co-host on the prop history podcast it's a pretty restricted place because it's very small um but the one kind of i guess unwritten rule or rule that everybody knows is that i have a certain side of the bench that i work on and if I have a coffee cup out or a teacup out to pay attention because I will ultimately clean my brushes in it and then try to drink out of it um, because I don't, I, I lose focus sometimes. I like, I will, I will keyhole on a project and not think about it and go, oh yeah, this is my, my, my teacup when in fact it's filled with dirty water or this is where I clean my brushes and it's my tea. So when my wife is out here, she's constantly moving my teacup away from me. So that I don't, yeah. um, but my wife is also a cosplayer. So she's out here uh, working on her cosplay as well. Awesome. So, That's cool. Yeah. So we, we have a hobby we get to share, which I love. She's nowhere near as obsessive about it as I am. And she just sort of pats me on the head and says, go on, go on. 
and lets me <laughs> lets me do that. So, all right. So that leads me to a, a quick question off the top of my head here. Mm-hmm. I have to know since it's a, a hobby that you guys share together. Who do you guys cosplay? Well, right now, uh, my wife has just completed um, a Weeping Angel from Doctor Who. Oh, uh, she also does uh, Endor Commando Leia, um, which nice. is which we actually made um, her helmet out of all original parts. So it's made out of the original World War II helmet and a bunch of the real components were used to make her costume. It's not 100% screen accurate yet, but we're getting there. Because um, ultimately we want to try and get her on uh, to join uh, the Rebel Legion. Uh, the, mm. the Rebel, yeah, the 501st, yeah. Um, I have a lot more cosplays than her because I, I've dedicated more time to it. She hasn't been in it as much. But right now she's building a, a, um, a rogue trader from uh, Warhammer 40K mm-hmm. and we've slowly been putting together a galaxy quest cosplay for her because I have original props from galaxy quest. So I've cast those and then she'll have screen accurate castings for her props. Um, in fact, I think I have one. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned galaxy quest. You have Nick's attention. <laughs> so, so you remember in galaxy quest, there's a, there's like, they have the commercial for the TV show within the movie. Like they yeah, have like okay. a preview of the TV yeah. show movie and they show the the nebulizers their version of a phaser from mm-hmm. that show which is different than the ones that they get from the aliens later in the movie. well this is it's not complete because i can't find all the parts for it but this is one of them that's hmm. a cat that's actually a stunt uh nebulizer and it's made from an airplane fuselage a model airplane fuselage but that's one of those nebulizers from that tv show within the movie and I'm in the process of having to re-sculpt all the details on it so that I can make castings of it. But that's awesome. I um, I also, for me, the one of the first cosplays I ever completed was besides the AT-AT, was the Witch King of Angmar from Lord of the Rings. And mm-hmm. I was I was about eight feet tall in it because um, I built all the under armor, and then I had that nine layers of robes so that it flowed correctly as I walked, and then the helmet took me up over eight feet eight and a half feet tall and the first time i wore it at a convention i couldn't get three feet because everybody saw me from forever <laughs> away because i stand out right you know like i i need to be with you i need to be in your space kind of thing and uh weta actually noticed it weta is of course the company that did all the costumes and special effects for lord of the rings they posted it on their website um i actually got hired as a contractor for weta here in the united states so i'm on their contractor list now um and it was all it went viral as well and then later on i got to meet lawrence mccory who actually played the witch king of angmar and nice. also, um uh Lertz, the the head of the urukai the lead urukai um and he was awesome it's like straight up lawrence mccory is awesome he's also enormous the dude is huge i am no tiny person i'm six foot three and that that dude towered over me and <laughs> I got to learn a lot from him, a lot of behind the scenes stuff from him about that specific costume. And then I, I got really heavily into the expanse and I spent a lot of time and effort hunting down all the original parts to make a vac suit from the expanse. Um, and it's screen accurate. And I actually have graphics from uh, Jim Murray, who's the um, props master for the expanse in the first few seasons. He sent me the graphics for that. And um it's as it's as accurate as I think it can be without actually getting my hands on a real one to see how it was made up close. 
but I haven't had a chance to wear it at a con because I got it done right before COVID. Mm. I have, however, worn it to Walmart. And, <laughs> and, and someone called the police because they were scared. Uh, and the police had a good laugh about it. Uh, they're like, don't do this. People are dumb. And so I, uh, that's the one time I've gotten to wear it was in Walmart. And uh, that's awesome. It's, it's fully lit. All the lights on oh. it work readouts for everything work it's it's the one of the more complex builds i've ever done and right mm -hmm. now i'm building my own star wars character and um what else am i working on goodness um i have all the plans done out for a full-size power loader from aliens for my wife because she wants to cosplay as ripley and i'm in talks with a guy uh to get the space suit from alien 1979 built because he owns all the original molds uh from those suits so nice uh, so yeah i i take it too far <laughs> most of the time walmart being the new comic-con who knew right yeah. well it was the only option and i gotta be honest, <laughs> gotta be honest with you, in a in a fully functioning environment suit that actually has climate control in it and also hepa air filtration i felt rather safe i bet all of my air was filtered through quite a few HEPA filters <laughs> And I was completely enclosed in my own little environment, and it was great. I'm <laughs> sure it's awesome. Yeah. All That's right, Mike. Well, we have we have reached that point in our show where we like to run a quiz by our guests. So, of course, our quiz today for you is about movie props. So, yeah, our quiz for you today is about movie props. So right. now it's a five question quiz. Okay. All right. So if you what? get if you get three if you get three of the questions correct, mm -hmm. we will send you a I gave to the red shirt widows and orphans mug. Okay, okay? which also delightfully ha I got to be careful because this is actually full of water. Uh, right. Has our funny science fiction podcast logo right. on the backside. So if you get four questions correct, we're going to send you that cup and the book Custodians of the Cosmos, written by Drayton Allen. Okay. The story of those who boldly go to clean up after those who boldly just went. So uh, we will make sure that uh, if you get to that point and you get four out of the five questions correct, we'll even make sure that Drayton throws some calligraphy in the front for, of it for you. So uh, each of these questions will be multiple choice. Okay. So uh, we'll have an opportunity to make sure that, that you have a, a chance at getting the, the question correct. But then also, if there's loot and prizes to be had there's of course a consequence if you don't get at least three okay and what that is is we take a picture of your face and we make a meme out of you and we throw it on our facebook group that has 110,000 followers lovely <laughs> we like to call it a fun sequence fair enough all right no all right all right so nick go ahead what bill murray movie features an old school alarm clock what about Bob, Scrooged, or Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day. Correct. I think I may have made these too easy. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. What Tom Hanks movie features a volleyball? Was Cast it? Away. <laughs> yep. Made these too easy. Okay. In which superhero movie does the villain use a playing card as a business card? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I thought you just knew the answers. 
Uh, was it Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy, or The Dark Knight? Dark Knight. All right. So you have earned yourself a coffee mug. So we'll get that off to you. Okay. All right. Question four. It's for the book. All right. In which Will Smith movie does he employ the use of a flashy thingy to erase people's memories? Hancock, Men in Black, or Wild Wild West? Men in Black. All right. So you get the you get the book and the book. I made these way too easy. Yeah, yeah you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I keep I keep wanting to not like blurt out the answer immediately. <laughs> sorry. What 1980s? This one's for funsies. What 1980s comedy employs the use of an inflatable person? Airplane. It Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, five for five on the world's easiest quiz. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so uh, after the show, uh, Mike, stick around for a moment. We'll get your shipping information from you, and we'll make sure to get that uh, that book and uh, the coffee mug off to you very shortly here. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people go to find out more about all of your works? Uh, any social media at Props to History or check us out. Uh, myself and my friend Greg, uh, our podcast is the Props Hi Prop History Podcast. You can find it on Anchor, iTunes, anywhere where you go for podcasts. Uh, on TikTok at Props to History. And you can also check me out on Etsy at Mike's Tiny Shop. Um, or if you want, just go to mikestinyshop.com which is my build shop. It's not my, uh, my history side. So that's pretty much it. Awesome. We will be sure to place those in our description so that people are able to find you and your other works. Okie doke. All right. And remember guys that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests who can pass our quiz with flying colors like Mike did today and funny moments for you to listen to. So please subscribe. It, it does more than you're ever going to know. But we also want to make sure that you go and you check out Mike on Props to History, whether it be on YouTube, TikTok, or that really cool podcast, which I'm going to be a subscriber of about in about uh, five minutes. So, uh, <laughs> but check out Mike's work as well. I, I guarantee you will not be disappointed. He's got some really cool stuff there. Thank you. But if you're not happy with the content of our video today, all you have to do is submit in single form by signature mail to our complaint department which will, of course, force the offending party to open the Ark of the Covenant, just like those stinking Nazis did in Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, of course, you know what happened to them. Well, thanks again, Mike, for being on the show today. Thank thanks, you, Mike. We really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, guys. That's going to be all today for Funny Science Fiction. Have a good one. Bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps kids when they are sick and when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt crewman number nine. You'll know that when he puts on his red shirt and gets eaten by scarabs raiding Imhotep's tomb 32 minutes after reading from the book, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and his combat.
On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode.